Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So today, we wanted to just kind of go a little deeper in regards to light, remembering that we are the light of the world because Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, that's important. Like Jesus calls us the lights of the world because he is a light of the world. So we do not carry our own light. We are mere reflections of God's light in this earth. God is calling us to be pure reflectors of him so that when people see us, they will see him. Don't forget that some of us will be the only means of someone coming into the knowledge of Christ because they're looking at you. They've met you. So the Lord wants it to be that, well, we've, you, you met John, you met Rachel, so you met me. And it's interesting, this is what Jesus said when, when Jesus was walking the earth and the, the Jews and the Pharisees had such difficult time embracing who he was. They had a really tough time taking this 30 year old as the son of God. How is that possible? And Jesus answers them by saying, when you see me, you see the father. When you see me, it's like looking directly into the father's eyes. Mm -hmm. So if you have a problem seeing me, then maybe you had a problem with the father the whole time. Mm -hmm. Now, can God trust you with that responsibility to reflect the father properly? Can people see your reflection and reliably say, that's what God is like? That's how forgiving God is. That's how caring God is. That's how loving God is. That's the call of light, right? So today we wanted to kind of go deep, a little deeper into what it really means when Jesus talks about, he who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we wanted to talk about it a little more spiritually today because we talked about it naturally. We want to talk about it and focus on it a little more spiritually today. So the verse that we're going to focus on today, at least one of the verses, is John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, and it, it, this is the New Revised Standard Version. And it reads, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we talked about salt and we talked about light previously, we talked about it in the context of what the scripture was saying, right? So salt of the earth. So we talked about the significance of salt in the earth. Then now we're going to talk about light of the world. And we see the difference between the Lord didn't say you are the light of the earth. He said you are the light of the world. What does that word world mean there? Well, when you look at that word world in that sense, that world basically means like society, the habitation of mankind the culture, the government, what we see as our tangible existence. So it's what we experience as our reality. And Jesus is saying here, you are the light 
of the world, right? So let's break it down. You are the light of society. You are the light of the habitation of men. You are the light of the culture. You are the light of people's way of living, right? So let's think about the gravity of that. And let's think about what Jesus is really saying the world is. Jesus is making it very clear that if you are the light, that means the world is dark. But there's several scriptures that I just like to pull out here to kind of confirm how dark the world is, right? So look at Philippians 2, 14 and 15. And this is Paul encouraging the saints at Philippi, basically, but he's using this encouragement in context for why it's important. So basically it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, talking to the church folks, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, where? In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I just found this interesting, right? He doesn't say like, um, do all things without stealing and cussing. He doesn't say that. He says grumbling and disputings, right? So, so grumblings and disputings are really things that we're kind of doing against God, right? Mm -hmm. So people who belong to God grumbling against God or disputing amongst each other under the guise of Christianity, under the guise of God. And, and Paul is basically saying, if you do that, you're not blameless. But God wants you to be blameless in appearance to the world so that they can see a pure reflection of Christ's light bouncing off of you. So I want us to think about that. And even us who are coming new into this whole thing, it's kind of like what's paramount to us understanding God's love. We are talking about this in the discipleship uh, group, that it's important that your understanding of God is pure. It's important that the foundation by which you are serving God is genuine, yeah. that you have an accurate understanding of who God is and the fact that not only does he love you, but he cares for you. And what does that mean? Right? So a lot of times the grumbling and complaining that we do is because there's some, some part of us that have not really connected with the reality of God's care for us. How much does God really, how concerned is he really about us if this is what's going on and this is how we're feeling? And we all go through it. Ain't, there ain't nobody perfect in here. Ain't nobody, not even close. Have I grumbled? Yes. Have I complained? Yes. Yes, I have. Recently? Yes. It ain't right. But it's a con that's a constant means of making sure that we are consistently allowing God's light to shine on us and show us where we need to submit ourselves better. There's another scripture, John 3, 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Here's another point that the Bible is making is to understand that because the world is evil and because people love darkness, what does that mean? People love what they want. People love to be able to get away with stuff when nobody's looking. Our human nature wants what we want. And if we can get away with it, we want to do that. We do, and that's mm. what we talk about works in darkness and that kind of thing. So there's always going to be a conflict for you to love darkness rather than light. 
That's what we're warring against. We're warring against the, 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 the man in ourselves that don't want nothing to do with God. And all of us have that man in there that needs to die. Part of us don't want to do not have nothing to do with, you know, the sacrifice it causes and, and all that. And, and you see, this is the thing. This is the part that I think people are afraid to be honest about. And this is why people can't really fall in love with Jesus the right way. Because at the end of the day, our humanity is key to our understanding God. Our humanity is key for us to understand the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and our need for God. Jesus became a man. It's important for us to become comfortable in our vulnerability and aware of our frailty. And the truth is, a lot of us wrestle with God's will and our will. God's plans for me and what I got planned for me. What I want my future to look like and what God's plans is. I want to take the steering wheel. God, okay, look, God, you, first of all, you're vague, okay? I don't know what, where you're leading me. I have no idea. And I got to just trust you. I can't see you. I don't know where you are. I can't hear you. There's so many, and, and, if it, and this is just the reality of being human and the reality of walking with God. But the flesh wants to make you feel like it's a hopeless journey. But learning how to trust God, yes. Learning how to trust God, learning how to understand that God is the architect of your life. He has the secret to your satisfaction. He knows what you're really searching for that you think you can apprehend on your own. He knows that already. So like, you might as well just surrender. And that's why communities like this are to help us to be able to come into a fuller knowledge of what God is like and what he has called us to do. So when you come into the knowledge of Christ, you automatically are classified as a light. Automatically. That's not something that you can turn off. This is why, and we talked about it last week, this is why we'll have people who interact with people who claim to be Christians. This is why the standard of light is always portrayed on Christians because there is a standard that the world is known to recognize as light. If the world is dark, and like you said last time, there's a frustration with having just enough light to barely get a task completed. Many of us maybe can relate to that. You know, you're in a room and you're trying to read something and the light is weird. Or you're trying to make out in the distance what something is and, and, and the light is not, not it's muted. Um, the frustration comes or, or you have a bulb that's about to go out and it does that weird stuff like that dimming, frustrating stuff. And I said to you guys before, when it comes to light, for me, I can be very like hypersensory. So I can, when a light is on certain frequency, I, it's like I can hear it screaming at me. It's just the way it is. So there's a level of intensity, but, but there's an energy that comes from, um, from light. But the point I'm trying to make is, it's very important for us to uh, fully embrace what God is calling us to be in this earth so that we don't frustrate the world when they're trying to see a path in front of their feet. Like when you come into the knowledge of Christ, the calling on your life is light. This is not something that you try to be. And I think that's the point we were trying to make in the beginning. This is something that you already are. Right, and just to reiterate, when you think about the lack of light, it also becomes a hazard. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, when there's so, when, when it's 
gross darkness. It's not yeah. just dark. It's like pitch black. Any form of light is, like you said, a means for people to to find their way to where they, where they need to go, mm -hmm. to safety. And if we're not as bright as we could be, now it becomes more of a hazard for them to find their way to where they need to to find their way to safety, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, just keeping that in mind, it's it's also a hazard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a grave responsibility to be a Christian. It's a grave responsibility. And when I say grave, I mean very, very vital responsibility. And I pray that, you know, as we are like um, presenting ourselves to the Lord and really trying to get to understand God, that we really take seriously um, the, the passive effect that our lives have on people, you know? Um, and we said this before, these elements have a passive power about them. Like they are functioning in a way that is so multifaceted that the glory of God can really be seen in them, right? Salt is not screaming, I'm salt. It's so multifaceted. That's one characteristic. It has a taste, but it also has a function. Right? Light is experience, but it also has a function of producing life and, and maintaining things. So if anything, the idea of being light, being salt, God wants us to become more aware of the fact that we can see you. You're, you're, if you're light, you're, you're being seen. So that scripture telling us about put, no one puts a light under a bushel is kind of like, well, if you put a light under a bushel, it's still going to be seen because now the bushel will be lit up. So that what's what's the, what's under that bushel? Like you're gonna always be on. What's under that bushel? So now it becomes why is the light under the bushel? Right. So it's it's kind of like there's that level of surrender that this particular topic causes us to lean into. When Jesus talks about in that John eight and twelve verse that you will never walk in darkness but have the light of life, we must understand the fact that Jesus Christ is the true light, and we said this before last week. And that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? And this light is not just for illumination. This light is also life-giving. So it's kind of like this. What's the sense of having somebody rescue you from a situation and not set you up to be healed from it? Like, What's, what's the sense of someone rescuing you from, from drowning? And you got water in your lungs and they do CPR, but then they don't do follow-up care to make sure that you don't develop pneumonia later and, and, and have some, some off result. This is what God does. God wants us to be whole, right? So it's not just about finding God. It's not about God finding you per se. It's about God finding you and healing you. So God wants to do a complete work in this earth. And it's not for us to just have our light shining, but also he wants to use us as a tool to give life to this world as well, right? So Jesus, being the perfect example of what that means, he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Okay. So obviously he's saying that before you followed me, you were walking in darkness and you were experiencing all of the bad stuff, all of the horrible stuff in your life that came because you didn't know me. Jesus says, okay, now I'm going to light your path. You follow me. You're walking in the light. But now he puts that never there to close the door behind you and give you an opportunity to heal forward. 
And that's the same call that God is calling us to be when he's calling us to walk in the light of life or have the light of life in you. There's a scripture in Matthew 4, 16, and it says the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. I think we can take a very, very powerful point from that aspect of the magnitude of what God has called us, right? That the people who sat in darkness, so think about something, right? Um, remember that there was a video that we were watching on YouTube where there was this car that was like, there was this like narrow mountain edge of the cliff road. Mm -hmm. And there was this car like parked uh, perpendicular to it. And it was really trying to show the skill of this driver and how he made a broken U-turn with like no space. And if he backed up all the way, he would go over the cliff. So I teased my wife and I'm like, what would you do in this situation? And she was like, I would sit right there. <laughs> I would just sit there. I wouldn't, because I, I would be too scared. Like the reality is, I don't have confidence in my ability to drive. I don't have confidence in my ability to get out of the situation. I don't know. I'm going to sit there. It really gave me like an image of so many people who are so hopeless in their life that they just sit in darkness. They just sit there. Like I made too many mistakes. I got, I got too many problems. I'm drowning in broken relationships. I've been battered and bruised. I'm emotionally messed up. I'm no good to nobody. That's what they, and they don't see any light. So they sit in darkness. Some of us can probably relate to that, right? There's times you feel so hopeless that you sit in darkness. But this is the powerful thing about the Lord. Light does not have to announce itself. It just appears. And if someone that's sitting in darkness sees a glimmer of light, that injects the one of the most powerful and profound elements into people's lives, and that's hope. That just because I can see something possible out of a situation that I don't feel equipped to come out of, now I can see something. That video was powerful because for some of us, that kind of encouraged us that it's possible to make that turn. Like it's possible to get, turn around and, and get to safety. And I think what God is calling us to as lights is to show, all we got to show people is that with God, all things are possible. Like God is not calling us to show people the whole way out. He just wants us to show people what his reflection looks like on somebody like us. So what does God's light look like on you in your particular situation? And trusting that God's reflection off of your brokenness is going to be just enough light to give someone else that's walking and sitting in darkness hope. For those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Right. So this is an image of the coming Christ. This is the image of Jesus being introduced to the world as the light of the world and that we've been separated from God. There's no peace. People are broken and hurt. All manners of evil. This is a twisted generation. But light has dawned. What does that mean? Christ has come into the world and created a path to God that we might be able to be with him 
and bring as many people with us as possible. Not in our own efforts, but just by us being reflectors of God's glory. In order to understand this better, this is one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible. John 1, 1 through 9. And it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who's the word? Jesus Christ. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, so a little background on this. Uh, th this particular uh, verse is very similar, and it's almost like the poetic version of Genesis 1. When we talked about the beginning, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. God in the very beginning in Genesis, that word God means Elohim. Elohim is the triune God, the Godhead, right? So the, what the Bible is really saying in the beginning is, in the beginning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth, okay? That's what that means. So what this is telling us is that Christ is a part of the creation of all things, right? So when we talk about Jesus, we're tempted to look at Jesus from the passion and walking on earth and everything, but Jesus always was. Jesus is God. He always was, which gives us a powerful idea of how the lengths that God will go to make himself known to us. How far will God go to get you to know him? Well, if that means I got to become a man and die for you, that's how bad I want you to know. That's how bad I want you to understand how much I actually care for you. That's the gospel, right? But here, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and without him, nothing came to be that came to be. What has come into being was life. In him is life. Okay, so when we're saying in Christ is life, what does that mean? Well, we have two connotations that are here. One is eternal life. In Christ is the ability to live with God forever. That we should know, right? The second aspect of it is abundant life, which means that's the life that we live here. The life that we live here is intended to be abundant because we have a secret knowledge of what God's plans are for the earth and also for us. And when we come into that relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit makes aware our spirits of what God has called us into. And when God calls you into something, there's provision. There's peace, there's healing. There's all the things that you would need in your life. So this aspect of life being in Christ is twofold. So then we got to look at our life, right? If our lives are, uh, you know, not necessarily fulfilling or, you know, there's a void there, there's a, it might be connected to the life or lack of life that you have in Christ. 
So he says, the Bible says, in him was life and the light to all people, right? And we talked about this last time. The life that Christ wants to live through us is the light that people need to see to see God. Okay, I'll say that again. The life that Christ wants to live through us is the light that people need to see to find God. Now, this is how powerful the next verse is in that context. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Okay, this is important because the forces of darkness, the forces that fight us every day, the evils of this world can really make itself feel like it can defeat light. It can snuff out a light. The one thing about light that we said before as a characteristic is light can penetrate anything. So you can have the blackest night and the slightest speck of light will penetrate that darkness and draw attention to itself. Because people are inherently drawn and curious about light. That's how we're drawn to fire and we're drawn to certain things. Because light has a characteristic to draw people out of situations. Just like it drew us out of situations. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Which means Christ came into the dark world. And although the world crucified Christ and we all crucified Christ, it did not defeat Christ because Christ rose. In the same way that you may be battered and bruised in your life, but when you have Christ, darkness cannot overcome light. If you really understood the light that you are, no matter of darkness can overcome you because darkness cannot overcome light. No matter how much of a blanket it feels like, right. if anything, it will illuminate the blanket. But light can never be overcome by darkness. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. just uh, the thought came to me, the fact that you need a fraction of one to overtake the other. So you can have, like you said, a blanket of darkness, but all it takes is a speck of light That's it. to completely pierce through mm -hmm. the perceived overpowering of darkness. Mm -hmm. Just one speck. That's what God is calling us to be. And when I say calling us to be, I'm saying calling us to embrace. Right? Not calling us to be like, oh, I gotta just be a light. No. It's humbling yourself to God's definition of what that means and embracing it. And you may be that one speck of light that ends up breaking the chains off your own family. That may be the, the, the bomb that heals a broken relationship. That, that may be, be, be the one thing that delivers somebody, that, that, that heals a marriage, that whatever the situation is, it's just being who God calls you to be, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And a lot of times, we feel tempted to do things for the sake of other people, right? We, we feel the, the sake of, oh, I'm just gonna do this because I'm gonna be the bigger Christian. Oh, I'm just gonna do this because I, you know, and that, it, it, there's no real power in that 
because you, you, you're doing it for the wrong person. You're doing it for the collective Christianity, but you're not doing it because God made you able to do. He's given you the grace and empowering spirit to be able to do those things that he has already designed you to do. Right. So bringing this part to a close, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We all know the story of John the Baptist who became who was a forerunner of Christ, who came to bear witness of the light. The Bible says he came to testify to the light that others might believe through him. Right. But he himself was not the light, which is also confirming the fact that we ourselves are not the light, but we are to testify of that light so that when people hear us, they may believe him. Just as John is called here and, 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 and being praised for being the one to testify to the light, the same way God is calling us to allow our lights to so shine before men. Why? That they may see. Stop. Right. What would, so they may see what? Well, they may see your good works and not praise you for them, but praise God. God really wants us to come into the accountability of who he's called us. To fully embrace the responsibility that he has called us. And God wants us to kind of clean our reflectors off today. He wants us to kind of look at our lives and say, all right, you're not your own anymore. You, 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 you said that you, you, you're living for me. So if you're living for me, when people see you, they're getting a glimpse of me. And I think God wants us to be more aware of how people see us, how people feel around us, so that we can really give honor to God. And it's not just for those who are Christians and those who are close and those, but it enlightens everyone. And God has called us to be the light of the world for everybody. Even our enemies, Lord, help us. Even those that we struggle with. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this time thank that you, has been set aside, ordained uh, to come before you, God, and hear what you have to say, God. Lord, we thank you for the constant reminders thank of you, who Lord. you've created us to be, who you've made us to be in this earth, God. Yes, we pray, God, that we will walk in it that we will embrace the light that you are and we will be your reflections yes, in this earth, God. I pray, God, that, that we will continue to be salt and light Help us, Lord. for a lost and dark generation, oh God, that desperately needs your light. Continue to remind us of what your word says and, and how we should walk according to it, God, that you would give us the discernment to, to know between right and almost right. Yes, Lord. And that we will not be a false light. I pray, God, like we always pray, God, that you would give us the grace for the things that won't change, the mercy when we fall short, and the favor to obtain the things we cannot on our own. Not for our own glory, not through our own merit, but simply because of you and for your glory, God. That we might be a testimony and a testament to you and your goodness, God. We thank you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins 
and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.